right, Bitcoin accumulation country. It's that time of the week. I'm your host, Coin Icarus. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, sponsored by Crypto Cloaks 3D Printing. Check them out for all your 3D printing needs. This is a very interesting episode with fellow Bitcoiner, plebe, sorry, pleb, and author Jay Berger or Jay Berger, however you want to pronounce it. And we sat down, had a great chat, and it was a lot of fun. Without further ado, we are going to dive right into it. Here is my chat with Jay Berger, the author of Magic Internet Money. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. Uh, joining me today is a fellow uh, Bitcoiner that I had the pleasure of meeting on Clubhouse. And I feel like we, you know, kind of like instantly had a connection. Uh, did not know that uh, that he was a fellow Canadian. So I guess that just, you know, I found that out yesterday. So boom, that, that kind of explains right away the, you know, the, the very nice politeness. So... And, and the, uh, you know, the immediate type of uh, connection. And the person I'm talking about is the author of Magic Internet Money. I'm talking about Jay Berger. Jay, thank you very much for joining me on my show. My pleasure, buddy. So good to be here. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, this was, I mean, look, we're going to get into the uh, the rabbit hole story and everything. And I, I saw that you have a, a background in banking. So I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to pick your head uh, about that. But um I, before we even get into the rabbit hole story, uh, how do you, you know, just what do you, how do you find the, the general, the people that, you know, appear on Clubhouse and like their level of knowledge? I, I find that that's like an interesting thing because there's more and more people going to Clubhouse and I was pleasantly surprised to see this mix, right? Of like total noobs and, and people that are like not on Twitter, but like know an incredible amount of information and are able to apply it. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So Clubhouse, for one, you know, is totally different from Twitter. You interact with these personalities on Twitter and you you develop these impressions of them and then you get to speak to them on Clubhouse. And it's nothing like what you would expect. Right. Obviously, Twitter can, be, can get really like combative. But Clubhouse, everyone is there basically just like trying to be cordial and respectful, exchanging ideas. And especially among the Bitcoiners, whether they are new or not, you know, the new people are genuinely interested and curious, which is awesome. And the experienced people are fucking brilliant. Like these people, you know, I am in awe of what I hear coming out of the mouths of some of these people. Truly. Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's been so much fun. Like to learn from, from all, all these experts on, on, uh, on Clubhouse has been awesome. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I, I really like the uh, the chats that are going on there. So oh, yeah, I, I look forward to uh, spending more time in uh, in rooms with you and going back and forth, you know. Um, OK, so. All right. The fun stuff aside. Now we're going to dive into the, uh, <laughs> the the rabbit hole story. So so how I mean, you come from the banking, uh, the, the background. So I, I want to ask you if it's OK. Uh, where were you before Bitcoin? Yeah, so I was red pilled on money before I was red pilled on Bitcoin or orange pilled on Bitcoin. Like I started my career at the onset of the financial crisis. I was a bottom of the rung corporate, you know, retail banker, just like literally, you know, if you wanted to open a bank account or get a credit card or, you know, invest a few bucks in a mutual fund for a retirement account. Like I was that very first level of person that you would see. Um, and because I started there during the financial crisis and, you know, shit hit the fan, Fed begins printing money. And I'm sitting there asking myself, having just basically come out of undergrad majoring in economics, like, whoa, I, you know, I sort of understood the premise that the central bank 
kind of massages things. We didn't really go into it in school, so I didn't actually understand it. But to see them just come out, you know, guns blazing, just printing money, really threw me through a loop. And basically, I asked myself the question, what is money? I started to think critically about what is money. So this was before Bitcoin had even come around. So I started asking myself that and I started to realize money isn't necessarily what I thought it was. And that like that, that bug has been in my head for 14 years now. Oh my gosh. So that was okay. Yeah. So you, now, that was starting in 2007. Yeah. That was just going to ask you, I'm like, okay, so like 2007, 2008. And, and I have to say um, around that time, I, I was just starting my job, uh, my, the, the current career that, that I'm in. And, um, that, that was a huge, um, that, that was a huge awakening. I, I didn't think that what had happened right with the mortgage crisis and everything like that, I didn't actually think that that was possible, but yeah, I also found it very crazy that there were all these subprime mortgages and these people that clearly couldn't afford these homes getting loans and, and the, you know, even though I'm not, uh, uh fiscally irresponsible like that, I started to think even to myself, why don't I just go and get a mortgage right now? Well, that's what they want us to think, right? That, yes. Like that, that, that's the incentive, right? So my parents grew up teaching me to be financially responsible. When I was 18, they gave me the book, The Wealthy Barber. You may know it. I, I believe it was written by a Canadian, David Chilton. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like a basic financial planning book. And it also teaches you about compounding interest. So if you put aside... 10% of your you know, wealth, every paycheck, let's say, if you make $100 per paycheck and you put 10 into a savings account every time you get paid, then over time, those $10 not only add up, but the interest or growth on them as what if they're invested or earning yield, th those compound on top of each other. And over an extended timeline, that's how you build you know, wealth for your future. That is the way to build wealth is through savings. Um, the system that we have of no interest rates now, like where we are now, completely turns that on its head and says the only way to get rich is to get into debt, which makes no sense whatsoever, is to buy assets through debt financing. It's like completely backwards. Why do you think um, that this isn't taught in, in the, uh, like, I'd say, you know, the public school system? I mean, I went to the, through the Canadian public school system, even the private school system. Uh, I had friends who went to private schools. I, they, yeah. they learned from their parents about what you're talking about, you know, about compound interest. And, and, and it came from their parents. Like, well, why do you think that is? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It seems, you know, there, and there's like, you know, rumbles every now and then in, you know, whether it's news or whatever, and, and individuals who are saying, you know, we really need to teach, you know, the basics of finance in school, but of course nothing ever happens. It ends up just being an independent topic that, you know, you have to be taught by, you know, those who care about you versus your, your teachers. Um, not to say the teachers don't care about you, obviously, but like those that are genuinely fully invested in your future. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I don't know. It's it's just, you know, education, right? It's developed. It's something that's evolved over decades. The curriculum's evolved. Like, I don't know if there's any one reason, but just I think, you know, you and I both know that the incentives that run our society are skewed. And why? Because the root problem of all of it is money, right? Money mm -hmm. is every single thing that happens in the world. Every time there's a new government department or a new um, endeavor or a new, you know, objective or mission, so someone has to pay for it to move the resources. And so the money is the thing that gets everything done. And if the money sucks then we have shitty outcomes, if we have good money, which we've never really truly seen, but a lot of us really believe, Hey, if we have good money, we're going to have a good society with good outcomes. 
so I don't know how we got there, but like, that's where I, you know, where we're going is we're going to, we're going to fix the money and yeah. that'll fix everything and that'll fix the rest. So, uh, let me, um, okay. Before we, I guess, before we dive into the more philosophical type of stuff. Um, all right. So it's 2008. You've, you've now realized, or you've now begun to really question, okay, like what is really, you know, what is money? Um, now, you know, even as a Canadian, I had always heard about the federal reserve, um, you never really hear about the Canadian, uh, the, the, the Canadian central bank. Um, yeah. but, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're doing the same thing. Like we're, yeah, we're just, we're, we're just printing money. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, we do the same thing, give or take a couple of points, right? So <laughs> from, from 2008 to 2000 and I don't know, 18, let's say for a decade, we followed the US on going low on our central rates, but I think we maintained like a quarter or a half a point higher than the US for a number of years. So we were seen as more conservative for that time period. You know, starting for the last year or so, we've gone, you know, to the extreme, not, not necessarily in the sense with rates, because now we're just back in lockstep with the US in the sense that they're at practically zero. Um, I actually don't even know right now what the rate is because I've stopped caring. Like yeah. I just stopped following. It's like so irrelevant to me. I know it's practically nothing. Um, and that like the incentives are so screwed. So I don't even care about like what the current <laughs> point is. Um, but we're printing money here like crazy. Like our government's going into debt like crazy. It, you know, we, we wanted to paint this picture in Canada that we were slightly more conservative and we, we, held on to that illusion for mm-hmm. a little while, but we've thrown it all out the window with the pandemic. We just, we chucked it all out. It's, you know, they've run up so much debt and accomplished zero, like accomplished absolutely. They've set us back. Like we're going backwards in time as a result of this year. Our progress is literally going backwards in Canada right now. Oh, it's freaking brutal. It's brutal. It, yeah. it is. It, it, it really is. And, and you're right um, about the way that Canada would try to paint the picture. I mean, I even used to think that as well. You know, yeah, I was like, oh, we, look, I'm we like, were, we're a little bit better. We were just a little more conservative. Yeah, we, we didn't we're get careful. the same big bailout. I mean, there was this like secret shadowy bailout that we were not supposed to talk <laughs> about, which is like, it wasn't, I guess, as drastic as the U.S., but like it still happened. Yeah, it <laughs> totally still happened. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we're gonna so fast forward. Like, how did you? Um, so, so now, how did you find Bitcoin? How did we get here? So, yeah, yeah. I, it was a. I couldn't tell you the actual first source I heard it from, but I will tell you that it was some combination of Zero Hedge, Max Kaiser. And Business Insider from back in the day. If you remember Business Insider in like 2010, 2011, um, when Joe, Joe Wiesenthal, Wiesenthal was still working there. Yep. Um, I like I was reading that rag. Uh, and so I heard about it. Let's call it in 2011. I, I, in my book, I put it at 2011. For all I know, it was 2010. I, I, you know, I don't yeah. remember at this point. But 2011, it was trading, let's say, at about a buck. And I remember being, I was so, I, I was no longer working in retail banking. I was working at a wealth management firm where I worked with um, you know, a portfolio manager managing investment accounts for high net worth clients. So you know, managing retirement accounts, managing corporate investment accounts, buying um, equities, buying bonds, like that kind of stuff. It's pretty bread and butter. Like we didn't do anything too crazy, but um, you know, just basically equities and bonds. So heard about it, it was trading at a buck. You know, Max Kaiser was already banging the drum. It's going to a hundred thousand at like a buck in 2011. Like I remember that. And I'm, you know, with a bunch of buddies and we're all sort of associate investment advisors working with, with, you know, our portfolio managers and we're sitting around talking about it going like, okay, we understand the premise that there's going to be 21 million Bitcoin and not more. So we know it's scarce, 
we understand the premise that there is a predetermined issuance schedule. So we know that, right? The first block reward is 50 blocks for four, I mean, 50 coins for four years and then 25 coins after that for four years and 12 and a half and so on and so on. So we understood that there's this diminishing issuance schedule that ultimately leads to it being fixed. And then we also understood this third premise that there is some kind of cost to Bitcoin, right? There's this mining process. I don't know at the time in 2011, I didn't understand the first thing about how it worked, but I knew that you couldn't just print it for free like I saw the Fed do. So those were the three things in 2011 that I understood about Bitcoin, saw it at a buck and me and some buddies are like, we should get in on this. We should put 500 bucks, a thousand bucks into this. And after a couple of days of thinking about it and researching it, we all look at each other and we go, well, we have no idea how. <laughs> like, you know, we're all, we're a couple of morons. We have, yeah, we're, we're, we're just a couple of moron bankers. We don't know anything about like, how do we store it? What is a, is a private key password? Where would we keep it? Like, there's no resources available then, no. right? There's no, there's no treasures and cold cards. There's no um you know breed love articles there's no you know no, you know dan hell you know all the writers right all the amazing writers we have today none of that is around so we forget about it because like what are, we, we don't know how to do this so we watch it go from a buck to like 30 bucks and we all and we shrug and we go well i guess we missed the boat <laughs> everybody thinks they missed the boat totally this is so, like the bitcoin mantra continue <laughs> yeah we missed the boat so basically i didn't i didn't you know i i paid attention to to it a little bit in the background for like the next six years but never bought it never knew how didn't like seriously think about buying it um didn't seriously investigate you know what was actually happening under the hood mm -hmm. um but then so basically you know my how i ended up buying some and, and starting my my real journey uh in 20 i think it was early 2016 uh the blockchain revolution came out which is a very mediocre book about blockchain <laughs> um I sorry that book. yeah sorry tap scott um blockchain isn't the revolution <laughs> um so read the book or the first three or four chapters because it was really dense and the rest just got tiring um and thought okay i guess there's something here but i don't know because uh, a buddy had recommended the book and basically didn't do anything about it but then i bumped into someone who uh was you know who had owned a, an old friend who had owned bitcoin and ether ether um for i know shocker right <laughs> yeah. for a little while and he pitches me and he goes oh dude like i, I say hey brian like what are you up to these days what's happening he goes oh man like bitcoin and ether like ether, ether his words to me in december of 2016 mm -hmm. were ether is the most valuable commodity in the world that nobody knows about and that was a jarring statement. And I was like, whoa, that's, you know. That's bold. Think about, that's bold. <laughs> and I'll think about it. Um, and so, you know, I look at it and I think, oh, I guess Ether is like the, the operating system and all these tokens are like these apps on this operating system. That was the story I told myself. And so I started buying both Bitcoin and Ether in early 17. Um, got caught up in the shitcoin hype because we all do and the, yeah. the blockchain thing was still in my mind like oh maybe maybe there's merit to blockchain um and then of course 2018 comes around and i start putting the puzzle pieces together i start to see that no that all these the blockchain crypto hype it's it's nothing but hype it's it's mm -hmm. it's a joke there's nothing serious to this it's not built to last bitcoin's the thing that's built to last bitcoin's the thing that has a real purpose um and so I start channeling all my energy into Bitcoin and away from everything else. 
and yeah, left my job because of it. Cause I'm like, I need to, I need to work in Bitcoin I, because my sound money roots that, that, that like that red pill that I discovered in 2007 now came rushing back to meet up with this blockchain crypto thing that I had educated myself on, but now I'm combining it with the money thing that I knew about. And so that, and that helped me, right? Like, because I had that uh, background interest in, in, in answering the question, what is money? Mm-hmm. Because I had thought of that and it had been in my head for years and years and years, you know, Bitcoin finally as a whole in terms of technology, community, you know, the actual economics, all of, like it all started to fit together in my head and make sense. And I could see, you know, and I could start to see where it was going and, and like what the future would hold for it or what I thought would hold, would hold for it. Okay, that's, um, I, I have to ask you this, because this is something yeah. I always find fascinating about uh, people in, in the, uh, the, the financial sector is this. Um, how do you undo everything that you've been taught? Because, you know, to me, I, I feel that it's like, um, like, I feel that you would have felt like a lot of opposition from your, from your peers, right? Because it's not FDIC insured and you know what I mean? It's like, well, the government isn't issuing it. So I, I guess like, I mean, yeah. How, how did you, I, how, how did you feel about Cause I'm sure I feel like you got that from people. So I think everyone mm-hmm. needs some kind of jolt. Like there has to be something that flicks the light, like the, where a light bulb goes off and you flick a switch in your head and you go, oh, I see something I didn't see before. And, and it can, it's going to be different things for different people because we're all approaching it, right, from different backgrounds, with different experiences. Um, so it's going to be different things for different people. For me, it was 2007, the bailouts. Wait, they can just print money. I thought money was this. I start researching. No, I discover money. Well, money is this, but money can be that. And maybe it should be that. Um, and so I had that trigger and I just didn't have the solution. I thought starting in 2007, that gold was the solution. I, I was a, I, I invested yeah. and bought gold for years um, from 2007 to up to like 2012. I was still buying gold because I thought that was going to be the thing. Like if central banks are printing all this money, they're going to have to peg it back to gold at some point. Um, but it took me, you know, getting to really know Bitcoin to understand the faults of gold yes. and why and why it comes short. And so, you know, I, in 2018, I was definitely, you know, getting, you know, I was, I was getting the rock, the rocket fuel was like loading the, the pumps were primed for me for Bitcoin. Um, I still held gold in 2018. Mm. I don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need for it. it. It really is a pet rock. Oh. Like I've, I've come to acknowledge that. And it sucks because, you know, like thinking of the Bitcoin I could have bought with that um, earlier on, but it is what it is. Like this Bitcoin is the way. I, I love the way. I, I love what what you just said there. That's why I had to write it down. Was that uh, understanding Bitcoin is what you know made you see why where gold fails, and and yeah. this was something I, I have to admit that you know for me. Okay, so look, I I never saw. Um, I didn't like gold uh, just because for me it was shiny rock, and I'm like, okay, you know, it holds its value, but. At the end of the day, I didn't really care for it. For me, it was all about the, the number go up, not for Bitcoin, but back then before I found Bitcoin. So it was all about equities, right? Equities have the the highest, you know, the, the, the most alpha, at least, for that, sure. you know, and but also the most risk. So for me, I was all about like, okay, I'm going to find, um, you know, boring companies that 
that will continue to make money no matter what and just buy those stocks and do a dividend reinvestment plan, right? right. And you just do that like crazy and eventually you create another income. It, just like we were talking about at the beginning with the compounding yes. wealth from the wealthy barber, right? Exactly. 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 But I, I, I swear to your point, as soon as I really dug into Bitcoin is actually why when I understood why gold was not the answer. Like I didn't know why it wasn't the answer before. I just didn't care about it. But, right. but Bitcoin really showed that. Yeah. Bitcoin really helped illuminate some of the faults in gold. I, and for my part, I never was that excited about stocks. Like, yes, I worked in the industry, so I had some, I had a small portfolio, but like I was, I think of myself or I like to think I'm risk averse. I don't want to take risk. I, I want to find the best match of highest upside and lowest downside. Like that's the goal. And in my head for many years, that was gold because, okay, it had the sound money. It was quote, safe store, quote, safe store value. Um, and, you know, stocks, yeah, there's obviously something to it. But for whatever reason, I, I never thought myself a good stock investor. And I think my track record would show I'm not a great stock investor. So I thought, okay, gold is boring and safe. And, and that's a good thing. I'll just take my little bit of growth every year. And, and that's like, I'm, I'm good with that. But it fails. It falls short. I, I, I'm going to say, so now, I, yeah, we, we were tricked. We, we were tricked we were, into risk. Totally. You know what I totally. mean? Like, why? why? Why did we have to do that? All it did was create a whole entire industry with a whole bunch of people getting paid to take on risk that no one needs to take. 100 yes. percent. You know, we, we the thing that we forget <laughs> that like not not even that we forget, but that we've just done away with is the concept that there should be this risk free asset. And when I say risk free, something that is absolutely 100 percent risk free is impossible. That is not like possible in the realm of humanity. But the thing that is the lowest possible risk, risk, risk minimized you know, having that quote risk-free asset is what the world needs, where everyone just knows that when all else fails, just fall back here. And this is a good place to wait, wait out the storm. And like, you're going to be safe here. And so bonds were supposed to be that to cash because cash always had that little bit of depreciation in it. And so we think, oh, you know, you buy your bonds, you get your five, 6%. And, you know, you can live, if you have a million dollars, you make your $60,000 a year, you know, you've worked for 35 years, 40 years, you've saved up this money and now you're going to live off this interest. Well, we blew the hell out of that. Like, <laughs> right. Like we destroyed that. Bonds are garbage. Bonds are garbage. <laughs> you, like, what can you do with it? You can redeem it for less than it was in the future and get nothing while you wait for it. So tell like what good is what good are they you can buy junk bonds but they're called junk for a reason you know it's right there in the title <laughs> you know like okay you'll get your three or four and and it's hilarious to think that like five percent or whatever now or six percent like these are junk bond yields like no junk bond should yield like over ten percent okay that's supposed to be an indicator of risk to think that six percent is like a high risk bond right now that that should be the baseline oh yeah you know, it, it reminds me of a saying, which I don't know who said this, but, you know, we are currently living through the, the revolution of lowered expectations, you know? Like, oh, yeah, that's a great line. It's Yeah, I wish I knew who said it, but <laughs> it's I remember it from a book I read and I'm like, man, that is true. And, and, yeah. it, and it is. It's like we've all we've all come to simply just expect less and accept it. Like, you know, like, I, I it's, you know, to your point about the yields, I um. I, I never, you know, we, we've been completely brainwashed into, into expecting less and being okay with it. And when we hear 
that something yields you more, it's it's a scam. You got to be careful. You know what I mean? Like you need to stay you need to stay in your lane and let us make the big money while you just, you know, kind of yeah. stack your Yeah, nuts. We'll, we'll, we'll just push you into this little corner of, quote, safe things, and you can just <laughs> yes. stay there, and we're going to play and have all the fun and do all the cool, interesting stuff that has, like, the real growth potential. But you just stay with the big guys. And, like, you know, sure, if you bought Amazon and Google and just hung out there, that's fine. But, like, you weren't buying that in the year 2001, 2002. You know, it, it, it took you a long time before you were able to really get it and, and participate in it. Oh yeah, and, and not that's not even the best example, but yeah. Anyway, well, it's still, it's it's still a, g- a good example of it. But um, okay, so um, we're we're gonna go back to this. Um, all right, there was one weird thing we were talking about before our conversation started, um, which was you you mentioned to me these these kind of you know these cringe horror stories, um, <laughs> and and I have to say this was one of the reasons I never got into um, I never got into options as an investor or anything like that because I was always afraid to you know to to buy puts and have to owe more than you know what I mean than I've actually risked and whatnot. So I don't know if you can kind of you know shed some light on, on some of this. So in terms of options, that I, I, I never traded options, okay, so I cool. can't talk about that, to okay. be clear. So it, it wasn't <laughs> options, but like, I'll give you a fun, a couple just like fun little anecdotes about stupid It shows my knowledge, that, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's, like... it's all the same garbage anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, we had these uh, derivative products at one point. You think I actually knew? You think, so forget me. Do you think the broker, like the portfolio manager that I work with, do you think he actually knew what it was comprised of? He... I, you know, I know him. I spent three years working with the guy. Uh, I won't divulge his name, although some people listening, if they know me, will know who he is. Um, and and it's not, this is just, this is not just him, to be clear. This is like an industry thing. You get this product pitched to you as as investment brokers, right? The 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 capital markets guys come in, or the you know the back end guys come in. And they say, okay, you know, we're we're creating this product, or you can call them and say, hey, I want to create this product, and they'll try to come up with some you know cockamamie contraption that'll. You know, we want to buy the Australian real estate market. So come up with some product that gives me access to the Australian. Yeah, it gives me exposure to it without actually, you know, not that we're saying without actually owning it, but like, this is what they come up with. It's something that doesn't actually own it. It's just, it somehow mimics it anyway. That was a real example, by the way, the Australian real estate market derivative product thing that we bought that naturally blew up. Um (laughs) That's so rough. Among other ones, sadly, but, did not go so well. Um, but I, so yeah, I'll, I'll give you the one or two funny stories. I remember one time, uh, customer calls in, says, or client calls in, he goes, oh yeah, Jesse, I want to buy a $25,000 worth of bonds. So, okay, sure, no problem. I, we don't, as much as we traded bonds and equities, like my broker that I worked with, we were more, a little bit higher, a little bit, we were higher risk than most. So we were way more equities. We've seldom did bonds. So like I knew how to use the system to buy the bonds, but not all that well. So, okay. You, okay. You want to buy $25,000 worth of bonds? No problem. Click, click, click done. Uh, I'll call you back in a minute and I'll, I'll give you the final, you know, tally on it. And, you know, I print the ticket, whatever. And it's shit. I bought the guy $250,000 worth of this bond. And I like market bought it. Cause I thought I was buying 25,000 cause I saw the order there, but actually I was buying 250,000. I inadvertently push up the price of this bond because I bought 10 times more than I intended to. And I start, you know, my heart starts beating like crazy. Like, oh shit, what do I do? What do I do? The the senior, you know, the guy that I work with, the portfolio manager wasn't like physically in the office with me. So normally if, you know, I, I would just spin around and go, hey, I won't say his name. Hey man, like I just made this mistake. I need to fix it. What do I do? 
So I try to call him on his cell phone and get hold of him and, you know, scrambling to figure it out. And then, you know, eventually I get a hold of him still that day, you know, whatever, half an hour, just wasn't that minute, you know, a little bit later, I get a hold of him. Hey man, uh, I bought this much. I meant to buy this much. What do I do? You know, and he swear, you just motherfucker. Like, okay. Here's what you do. You know, call the bond desk, tell them what happened, get them to, you know, we got to offload 225,000 oh of it. God. Um, Call and it has to be done by day's end because we can't yeah. have him in this mark like owing, you know, in his margin position. Not, no, he can't because he would be in margin for something he did not want to be in margin for, and uh, and we can't. You can't put that on the client. That's that's my screw up, not his screw up. Um, so call the desk and you know we're unwinding this position and you know compared to some of the serious investment bankers, right? Like you know guys who deal with you know tens of millions, hundreds of millions, but this is still relatively small right? 25,000 to 250,000. But like, for me, this is a pretty big deal. So anyway, we unwind it. And at the end of the day, we, my team, basically me and the portfolio manager I work with and our assistant, we have to take a $20,000 hit. And guess who eats that? We do. So I cost the broker I work with $20,000 on that one trade. Um, Yeah, that one hurt. (laughs) I didn't get so I didn't get a bonus really that year, as uh, <laughs> you, you, you might expect. Um, but so luckily for me, that was the only serious mistake in three years. You know, I, I ended up having a few very, very small mistakes that, okay, would cost a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. And, and that's fine. You know, it happens. We can manage that. That was, that was a nasty one. But it's funny. So I left this broker. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear. There's a song. Oh, yeah, that's fine. And, okay. So. Entourage. Entourage, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I left, I I spent three years working with, with this team before I left and I went to do my MBA and move on with my career. Um, But, you know, I I stayed in touch with the broker that I work with and like a year and a half or two years after, you know, he hires a new guy and it's someone who, um, you know, anyway, like someone who I knew and who he knew, it was mostly this guy's friend, not someone who I was personally close with, but like, I knew him to be like a little bit of a space cadet. Um, and so I'm talking to my broker, you know, a couple of years after I left and I go, oh, how's it working out with, you know, my replacement? Well, in the first year, he cost me $35,000. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, three years and I probably cost you $22,000. Like, yes, you know, I, I did okay, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. But I, I think, you know, your stories just helped illustrate how a, a person, right? Look at the hoops that, that we have to jump through to simply maintain the value of the time that we spent and converted into money. Like, yeah. like, look at that, you know, yeah. Bitcoin is so much simpler. It may be incredibly complex in its, you know what I mean? In its code and in its function, but to the, to the experience, it's actually much simpler. You know, yeah. you don't have to jump through any of those hoops. You just buy it, you hold it. And all the hoops are spent learning how to custody it yourself and making sure that you don't get fished and hacked and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, and 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 this whole you know series of events with this particular bond, it's me acting as like the broker. I'm dealing with the bond market, which is much bigger than anything I know about, um, and my trade desk and the client. Like, there's all these checkpoints along the way, and like all it takes is one person to say or do enter, you know, click one wrong key, you know, a la me, um, before there's this cascade of things that, that has to follow. Um, and in Bitcoin, it's it's just super, super simple, right? Yeah. Do it and it's done. And that's it. 
and there's nothing else to it. And if you make a mistake, you know, there's no admin desk to call to clean it up because everything's on you. Yep. So it's your responsibility. And, you know, in my, in the case of my trade, like it's a good thing that, you know, the, the team is, I am responsible for the client. So we eat that cost. Like that's mm-hmm. good. Cause we're protecting the client. Um, but still there, there's like, there's so much human error that can be made along the way Oh yeah. in the whole, you know, system basically but you know to just take possession and own your bitcoin is a very simple and a very profound and powerful thing because all these things equities bonds the client doesn't actually own it right they have the iou for it it's like your coins on an exchange it's like the coins on an exchange once in a blue moon someone will say oh i want the actual share certificates right i want the physical share certificates where the shares become a bearer asset okay we can do that it costs a couple hundred bucks and they only do it for like these penny stocks that most of them become worthless anyway. Like not even penny stocks. They, they won't even trade yet. It's like private deals. Um, it's just this crazy convoluted process. And uh, I, like, it just gives me a headache thinking about it all. Absolutely. It's, it is. And it's discouraging, right? It's discouraging yeah. to, the, to the average person. I mean, I can tell you, you know, when I was like uh, 18, 19 and I first got turned on to stocks, I was like, okay, who, who do I follow? What do I read? So, you know, I went to stupid places like the Motley Fool and uh you know stuff like that you know investorpedia which is really not that terrible but yeah you you know it's it's like you're you're just kind of and of course everybody gets introduced to kramer um (laughs) you know like do do you know do you know gartman dennis gartman the name is very familiar oh my god this very familiar this newsletter so dennis gartman i am not endorsing this thing by any means so this guy dennis gartman writes a newsletter that for some reason, stockbrokers love, they would like circulate it to the whole, the whole office. And he writes in like his own code, like, you know, Bitcoin, we have our language, we have these like acronyms and, you know, whatever, we have our little lingo and, but that's more like memes than anything. Right. I mean, yes, hashes and nonces in certain terms, those are technical terms, but like the rest is kind of, you know, basically memes. Yeah. Yeah. We have Bitcoin or not. He would say like things, crazy things like I'm long three bushels of corn in oil terms. And it's like, and people worship, not worship this guy, but like they would always be curious to hear what he had to say every morning. And I'm sitting there, you know, whatever, 25 years old reading this going like, is this English? I don't know what he's trying to convey. Like I understand now thinking in Bitcoin terms, right? Okay. I measure wealth in Bitcoin terms, but he's measuring corn and oil and cauliflower and gold and like, you know, all these crazy comparisons and using these crazy numbers. Like who's trying to do all these calculations and to what benefit? Anyway, it was just like this crazy thing that these people thought was useful for some reason that I could never figure out. That's like a financial asset trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would circulate it every morning. It's like, okay, great. My brains are now fried. I'm ready to go for the day. Oh my gosh. That that is uh I mean, look, that that is just crazy stuff. You know, it's and that's exactly to your point. I mean, you just made me think of uh one of them that I used to that I used to read a lot, the stock gumshoe. Um and essentially what this guy does is debunk all of the you know how like you get all these teaser letters like from like uh what's his name? Uh um lavalier or something like that like there's like all these like guys that do these you know the the teaser newsletters right the the stock yeah yeah for sure yeah and so what he does is this guy like debunks them he figures out okay this is the stock they're actually teasing you you know (laughs) so that 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 was pretty interesting stuff um but anyways my my point of the the whole uh reason why i went down this path was was that you know this i i felt alone and confused like yeah. that, that's really what it is. And then what is, what happens then? So then I went to 
a personal, you know, uh, 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 sorry, a, um, a personal finance expert. Yeah, a right? planner or whatever, yeah. Yeah, that's it, financial planner. And then you know exactly what they do. They figure out, they look at your salary, they come up with a function and they go, okay, every month you're going to give, you know, $1,200. We're going to invest it into this basket of, you know, yeah. Do you, do you want 60, numbers. do you want, do you want 60, 40 or 70, 30? Are yes. you a little more risky and you want 70, 30? Like that's, that's the, the bandwidth yes. that they have, right? That, that's and exactly yeah, it. And yeah. And, and, and the incentives, right? So as the broker, you're trying, you know, you obviously you want your client's wealth to go up because then you feel good. You're helping them. But like, if it doesn't, you're still making your commissions. Yeah. You're, you're, you're still like, you. these guys just learn to learn to live with it, learn to sleep with it and be like, Hey, yeah, you know, I lost client money, but okay. My income's still doing all right. So, okay. You know, I'll just try to, you know, I'm going to lose this client cause I, I fucked up, but uh, I'm going to go pitch another dozen clients and hopefully I'll get one or two that come in and that'll, you know, fill out. So it's constantly like money coming in the front door and leaving at the back door. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's, there are, and this is, I shouldn't like generalize about absolutely everyone because obviously there's some bad eggs and there's, there's some good ones too. Like I know some great brokers um, who genuinely care and who honestly want to manage risk as effectively as possible and are open-minded to alternative investments, including Bitcoin. I mean, they're Bitcoin specifically, there's not that many that are open to it, although they're slowly coming around. Um, but like the mindset of being responsible and doing what's right, it's out there. It's just hard to find. Yeah. Because most of the guys are, hey, you know, I see someone and they're a target for, you know, another commission for me. It's, look, it, it, it's true. And, you know, um, again, I, I know you don't want to generalize and that's fine. Um, yeah. I, I, I can say that uh, I had a very difficult experience when I left my, my financial planner. Um, and because I, I just I was able to make more than he was uh, with my own money. So it's, I was like, why am I paying for this? Why do I have this here? I'll just take it out and do it myself. And of course, you know, they just tried to scare you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it it's kinda... yeah, because they think they, 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 oh, this is the best. You study for these courses, right? So I got my, uh, my the Canadian securities course, right? So that's like the first level um, designation you need to be able to trade securities on behalf of clients. Mm -hmm. So I got that, you know, whatever it was, it's, you know, 12, 13 years ago now. Um, you need to pass it's a 60% pass rate on the exam. You can do the exam, I think three times. And, you know, if you don't pass it by three times, then you definitely shouldn't be even thinking about this because it's not that hard, but the questions they ask, I, you know, they give you the different study guides and the practice exams and, you know, the, the textbook is super dense and, you know, not, you know, it's, there's a couple tidbits of info, but like they give you the exam, they ask these questions and nothing that comes up on the exam actually applies when you do the job. Like literally 5% of what was asked on the exam had any relevance to like my day to day for talk, years. Talk about this. And it's just, yeah. And so, you know, we're training people to just study things that end up having no relevance and, you know, some will take that, you know, just, okay, it's a stupid thing I have to do, a hurdle I have to overcome. Mm -hmm. And then I'll try to genuinely figure it out. And some people it's like, yeah, no, this is this is the way we have to abide by these rules because this is, you know, these parameters are the things that set out. And then they get sort of caught in this, well, I'm just going to do what this thing lets me because this is what I'm supposed to do. Even though if you're thinking critically about it, this may not be the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so you create, you know, I have a, one of the quotes in my book. It's like, um, 
when law and morality contradict each other, the citizen has the cruel alternative choosing between, you know, doing what's right and doing what's legal. That's not the exact quote, but it's something along those lines. It's a good um, point. Yeah. And it's a great point. So I, I, I now bring that up a lot yes. when I talk to people these days, especially in COVID land. Um, I'm actually, so, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, it's great that you brought up your book because that's what I, I wanted to, I wanted to segue into, uh, you know, into next. Um, okay. Before, before we talk about uh, magic internet money though. So why, uh, you know, because you got into Bitcoin, why did you decide to, uh, to take the path of, uh, of writing a book? Yeah. So... I was trying to, I was trying to figure out my like value proposition to the Bitcoin community and to Bitcoin at large, right? Like I didn't know exactly where I fit. I, I knew that I had this, you know, level of knowledge and insight and I wanted to leverage that some way, somehow. And so I started out, like I was going to make this PowerPoint and pitch it to high net worth investors. Cause I used to work in wealth management. So maybe they'll listen to me and we'll get them to buy some Bitcoin. And very quickly, this slideshow ballooned to like 80 or 90 slides and it was and it's like mostly words right it's mostly text no pictures and yeah there, there's like barely any charts um so i show it to a buddy of mine and he you know i'm having beer with a buddy of mine showing him on my phone a bunch of slides he's like dude you're an idiot like you're, you can't actually seriously present this to anyone that's stupid no one's going to sit with you for three hours while you go through a presentation that's that's like this but you have a great skeleton for a book and you know that caught me off guard because i was like i can't write a book um, but sure enough, you know, I go to bed that night, I sleep on it. I wake up the next morning. I'm like, oh yeah, like, of course this is a book. Like what else is this? If not a book. So basically from literally the next morning I woke up and I realized I have to turn this into a book. And I, I obsessed over it for, for a year straight. It's the only thing I thought about for an entire year. Um, and basically I, I realized that my value add was, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in Bitcoin. I can't tell you exactly how every you know piece of the machine works I, mm -hmm. I i can't tell you about every nut and bolt and screw and how you know how all the pieces fit together so perfectly um i can tell you at a high level you know the way the way i've started describing it is i use a cell phone or i we're on zoom right now we're chatting on zoom i have no idea how my computer connects video and audio so that we're looking and speaking to each other in the microphone like i have no idea how this stuff actually works mm -hmm. but i know how it empowers me right I understand that, okay, because now I'm sitting here chatting with Phil, you know, I'm making connections I couldn't previously make. So despite me, I couldn't build a computer. I couldn't build a microphone. I couldn't tell you how, you know, it sends our, this, this data through the airwaves and how it comes out the other end. I have no, no idea, mm -hmm. but I know how it empowers me. And that's the approach I took while writing the book. I'm going to paint the picture of Bitcoin and I'm going to bring, you know, my own personality. I'm going to put my own fingerprint on this because Bitcoin is right. It's different things to different people. We all view it from our own subjective perspective. Mm -hmm. We all have our own sort of subjective truth about it, but it empowers us. We, we, I think I, we, I can say with certainty that it empowers each of us. It just empowers each of us slightly differently. So this is my take on why Bitcoin is powerful. And I tried to do it in a way that I wanted to, you know, convey. So I, um, like a whole bunch of different lessons and insights that I've picked up about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So the format of my book is every page is its own single argument or an or idea. And all these little arguments and ideas build up on top of each other. And it works because you can go back and like index things. If you want to re, you know, refresh your memory on this idea or that idea, you can go back and refresh it really quickly. Um, but I'm doing it in a way that is 
I, I, it took me so long. It took me a year to write a book that's only 125 pages because I wanted to be super concise. I didn't want to waste a single word because curious people just want to get to the point. They don't want yes. fluff. I wanted to, again, have my like personality. I wanted the book to be, you know, to have a little swagger to it. Like no, no joke. I wanted the book to have a little punch to it um, and be insightful and profound uh, and fun. Like you should enjoy reading the book. Uh, so that's why there's literally full page pictures in the book as well as charts and graphs and other things, but like every single page. So not only is every single page its own idea, but I have a quote, whether it's a philosopher, an economist, I quote Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, the hunger games, uh, Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate factory. Like I run the gamut of, I run the gamut of who I quote and all, and all the quotes relate to each individual idea that I discuss. So you're building up all this stuff. You're building up one idea on top of each other so that by the time you finish and look back, you have like this structure of interconnected things that should make more sense. Um, the quotes help just relate the ideas better because whether your interest, you know, depending on your generation, depending on your experiences, you know, your age, whatever demographic, mm -hmm. maybe some quotes will catch you a certain way or some ideas will, will catch you a certain way. So I want to hook you in with a couple that really resonate with you. And then that'll allow you to get into the rest and like feel connected to the rest. So I was like meticulous in how I structured this and delivered the message. And at the end of the day, I'm scraping the surface of a whole bunch of different ideas and arguments about Bitcoin so that you can have this pretty good idea of, okay, what is Bitcoin? And then if there are certain arguments or ideas that you want to explore further, like there's a whole whack of resources out there in Bitcoin that'll help you do that. So this is like the way I, part of the way I started to think about it is like, I want to help, help set a new floor for like the baseline knowledge of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Like if you read this, I think there's a way that you can, you know, get to this new floor that, that we should all be on for understanding Bitcoin and that we want everyone to be on to understand Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, like that's, that's my book. <laughs> I, I I mean, don't get me wrong, but uh, you're a great pitch man for your book. I, I just went on Audible to see if I could download it. I'm like, oh, that, are you so coming? Yeah. Guy, Guy Swan of Bitcoin Audible is finishing the recording soon. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do... Nice. Um, I, I need to listen to it first because obviously, the, you know, I, I have some ideas for it. I don't know what's going to, I shouldn't, I don't want to say anything, I, yeah, but, but either way, Guy is doing it and we're going to cool. get it out there. Um, I don't know if it'll be this month. Let's, I, I think next month is very reasonable for it to be out there. Um, I'm really excited to do it with Guy because my book, again, I, I told you it's got, it's one page, one argument. I got a quote for everything. So it's, it's going to sound and read just, it reads a little differently than most books. It's not, it, it's got a very unique format and that's also part of the pitch, right? Is that it's, it's, there's something a little different to it. So I'm excited to see how we, you know, how this, the final product comes out for it. And, and people are clamoring for audiobooks. I, I, I understand there's, there's great demand for that. So I'm like really excited to get this out. I, you know what, um, to that end, I am totally sucked into audible and audiobooks. I actually believe it or not in the last year or so, probably two years, the majority of the Bitcoin knowledge that I've consumed that I've been able to consume so quickly is because uh, of audiobooks. But I yeah. do, uh, but I do want to add um, for those of us that are 
you know, older or, you know, more, um, I guess, uh, the word I'm looking for is, um, just more comfortable with physical copies. Like I have a library. I, I like physical copies of books. I like to be able to turn the page. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be getting a, uh, a copy from, uh, from you. So I'll, sh I'll show you on camera. I know we're, we're audio yeah. only, but I'll, sh I'll show you and I'll describe what I'm holding up. So the cover of my book, if you go online and look at it, so you see, there's the wizard, yep. right? on the cover and it's, there's a whole, uh, there's a lot going on. I drew inspiration for the cover. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar magic internet money. You know, I didn't come up with this title. This is the meme from the old Reddit, you know, subreddit for Bitcoin with the, that really cartoonish looking wizard saying, you know, magic internet money, join us. Yes! So I want, I wanted to take like, that's my inspiration obviously for the name, but then I wanted to sort of stay true to the meme in a certain sense. Cause my book has a ton of culture in it, right? Like a ton. So if you zoom in, there's a satellite. I actually, you, I don't know if you'll be able to oh, see yeah, it. Oh yeah, I can zoom, see it. I can see but it. I, 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 I actually took the inscription of the Genesis block, like in the- Oh, sick. Yes, yeah, so I can see it. The, yeah. oh. the, the times are three. So there's like a dozen Easter eggs on the cover. I, I embedded this thing and throughout the book. So one of the things I didn't even say, when I told you I put my fingerprint like on the book, like I also put Bitcoin culture into the book. I injected a whole bunch of Bitcoin culture so that if you read the book and you know nothing about Bitcoin and then you were to join Bitcoin Twitter, you might start to go like when you're hearing people say things, you go, that sounds like sort of familiar. Did I read that somewhere? Um, and then on the back, of course, I have, you know, I don't have a description of the book. I don't have my picture. I just have what is money. That's the only, those are the only words on the back of the book. What is money? Like, I, you know. I don't need to describe the book. You're either going to, you know, you'll be interested or not. Yeah. So I love your pitch. Yeah, I love it. I'm serious. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's and, totally great. And here, so when you flip through it, right, you see, I got these full page images. Every there's, I got images even for the chapter titles. Oh yeah. There's, there's right. There's different charts and things. Sorry, everyone on, on audio, you're not going to see any of this, <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, sorry guys, the, the, the but structure, it's awesome. The structure is different, right? There's a quote on every single page. Oh. There's a title for every single page. So if you want to go back and read, you know, look up an idea, it's going to be really easy for you to go figure out where you need that one page you need to read to refresh yourself. Man, I, I love it. I, I think it's really great. I'm super excited I, I, to... I, I killed myself for this book. I, I, I gave This is my heart and soul. Like I gave everything for Je this book. Jesse, seriously? Um you know, it's like usually you can, you know, you can, you can tell when you're, when you're talking to somebody who's genuinely passionate about so something, whereas somebody who's, um, you know, just kind of uh, fulfilling a role, you know, just being a shell. And, and, and you can, I, I can genuinely tell that like, this is, this means a lot to you and it's, it's beautiful. I, I love the detail on the cover. I mean, man, I'd want a poster like that. Look, I, I swear I, to God, I, I'd want a poster of that. <laughs> this is this is a dying money tree. Oh my God, that's awesome. Okay, like I'm telling you, when I say there's a dozen Easter eggs on the cover, I'm not kidding. There's a dozen Easter eggs on the cover. That is awesome. Um, so okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave that there. But I, I've been thinking about like, should I somehow print the cover because. I, Again, I, I killed myself with my designer to like get the cover perfect. Like it's it's to me it, the book is a complete whole. It's a work of art in and of you know the whole thing. You know, cover to cover is a work of art for me. Um, I'm a huge sucker for swag. I, I love all kinds of stuff like that. Um, seriously, if you uh, manufactured a poster like that, I would purchase it. I, I'm not just saying that uh, for the show or anything. I, I totally love the, the Bitcoin swag. I think that the philosophy behind Bitcoin, what it inspires people to, to, to imagine and to create, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's totally collectible. So, yeah, you know, I, I'll, uh, 
I, I gotta so think about it. I, I've, been, I've been so yeah, I've been <laughs> so like it. wrapped up with like a. I got the book out there a few months ago, so now I'm like marketing it. Yeah, I'm working with guy on the audio, which is awesome. Guy is you know brilliant, and I you know he's such a sweet guy. I love him. Yeah. Um, and like I, I'm a one man show. I, I you know I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just figuring this out as I go. So like yeah, you know that that's something that I've been thinking about. I, I've been thinking about another idea too, but like, I can't. I can't go into that right now. Okay. Um, okay. Can you give a tease about, because we're going to, unfortunately, we, we uh, got to wrap up soon, but can you, can you give a tease about the well, idea I, without I giving too start, much away? I haven't even started on it yet. That's the thing. I like, so then I that's the, the tease. Whatever it's, it's um, <laughs> what I'm trying to think what I could say without that, saying, you know, it. <laughs> without saying it and without like jinxing anything about it. Um, okay. So then don't. I don't want yeah. I don't want to force you. I don't I, want to force you. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's not, it's not something serious. I'm not going to, you know, it's not a protocol upgrade for Bitcoin. It's, okay. you know, it's, it's a fun project for me that um, is, I guess you could say inspired by my book, by, by the work that I've done. And so it's, it's given me the boost to think about the next thing I can do or one of the next contributions I could make. So how about I say that? Okay, cool. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm excited. For so, so I appreciate that. We've got I, we're, the we're, teasing, we're, we're teasing people for something I haven't even lit, the, like literally haven't started working on and don't know that I'll do. Although the, I will say that there is no barrier to me accomplishing it. I know it is doable. So I'll say that. You know what? We are no worse than the bankers, yeah, you know, that fill us with fake money. So at least, <laughs> at, at least here you're teasing an idea that's going to be, you know, that could be very cool. That's related to Bitcoin, which, you know, we obviously have come to respect and admire, you know, so yeah, I'm excited. I appreciate it. I appreciate the support. It's great. Jesse, man, I, I'm so sorry. We gotta, we gotta wrap this up, but this has been, look, this has been super cool. Um, okay. So how, how can people find you? What's the best way to, to, to reach out to you? For sure. So, uh, I'm staying pretty active on Twitter. So at Jayberj, J-A-Y-B-E-R-J-A-Y, uh, you can go to www.magicbitcoinbook.com, uh, for my book or you can, which is my website, but you can also go to Amazon or any of the ebook stores and get, uh, get the book and audio coming sooner than later. And yeah, you know, reach out to my email address, LinkedIn, Twitter, it's on my website. Like you can get, if you want to get a hold of me, you'll get a hold of me. That, that's fantastic. Oh, oh, and last thing, if anyone out there has read my book, please write a review. I would really appreciate writing a review for my book. Yeah, it really helps, guys. The reviews, I mean, I can tell you when I buy books, I often read the reviews. So it really does help. Um, we're going to put the details to that all in the show notes as well for, for people to reference from the episode. Jesse, man, this has been super cool. And I, I, look, forward to, I look forward to your next idea. And uh, regardless of that, I look forward to having you on again, man. This, this was awesome. Yeah, Phil, this was a blast. Thanks so much for having me, and we'll definitely do it again. Cool, thanks. I hope everybody enjoyed our discussion. Jay's contact details and a link to his book will be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach me on Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, which no one ever does, I'm CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Catch you all next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>